Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 46. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Christian Woodman C. Christian is a black belt from Andre Galvão and the owner of Roots Athletics in Philadelphia, a NATO's affiliate school. He shared the struggle of finding balance in running a business while still competing on a world-class level, and he talked about the topic that he often shares with his students that inspired the title of the podcast, Facing Your Problems Head-On. After the interview, during the final thoughts, I expand on the concept of not turning your back to your problems and to face your challenges head on. Stay tuned right after Live Jiu Jitsu's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu Jitsu. Live Jiu Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and in the United States who offer free Jiu Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donates all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.livejujitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Christian Woodman C. Christian is a black belt under, under Galvão. He's a very active competitor. He is a 2018 IBJJF Pan Nogi Gold Medalist and 2018 IBJJF World's Nogi Bronze Medalist in the Black Belt Division. Christian is the owner and head instructor of Roots Athletics in Philadelphia, a NATO's affiliate. He's a proud husband and father. Christian, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm a huge fan of yours and the podcast as well. So it's, a, it's an excellent day for me to be able to come on the show. Great, man. So tell us, how jiu-jitsu show up in your life? Um, I mean, I, I, I actually found it very randomly. Uh, my brother was doing Muay Thai at the time. His academy was just starting a little affiliate hole-in-the-wall jiu-jitsu program, invited me to come in and try it. I never had any experiencing with grappling or jiu-jitsu or any kind of martial arts before then. So walked in, took one class, got bit by the bug per se, and I literally haven't stopped since then. And um. Yes, I mean, I started here locally in Philly like that, but um, it hasn't stopped since then. So it was a very, very small team then, but it's a huge affiliation now that I'm aware of. It's uh, the balance of Rick and Phil, uh, Rick and Phil Mibarese, the brothers. But, um, but yeah, it was just a small by-chance thing. Had no idea what IBJJF was. Didn't know what competition jiu-jitsu was like or the business was like, but um, I knew I wanted to do it the second that I started. I never wanted to stop. And what year was that? I believe it was 2009, 2008 or 2009. So I was, I, I, was, I was 20 years old when I started. So it's just about 10 or 11 years ago now. Okay. And did you play any sports prior to jiu-jitsu? Um, I played soccer in high school, but I was actively uh, playing like semi-professional and professional paintball for many years. Mm. Um, and I was just coming off the tail end of that because it wasn't really fun anymore. I wasn't enjoying it as much. So it was a perfect timing to kind of like uh, – 
just counteract and balance one out from the other. So I just switched from doing one to jujitsu and then one became my full-time job. And how was that transition to start actually getting into competitions? Um, it was fun. My first competition was only about two, three weeks after I started training. My instructor said, you know, you might as well just go out there and try it. And I got absolutely smashed and obliterated, but, um, it was fun. It was a learning experience. Jiu-jitsu for me then was much, it was a lot different than it is now. The understanding of it, the, the techniques that it was a completely different jiu-jitsu game from what I'm aware of now. So even the jiu-jitsu that I was learning or that I was applying or I was seeing at tournaments is completely different now, but um, it was, it was right into it. And then since then I just didn't stop competing. So I would, I would actually compete probably about once or twice a month since that point in time. Cool. And now in this decade of training, how do you feel BJJ relate to life? Um, I mean a lot now, uh, since I started jujitsu when I was in the beginning of my twenties, I mean, I was young, I was immature. I didn't know what life was. I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I was going to college and I was going to pursue as a career. And, um, I mean, since I fully gave myself to jujitsu, I learned a lot of life lessons from jujitsu. So now I would say the structure of my life is basically all the concepts and understanding that I learned on the mat, you know, so I understand like, um, not to, not to turn my back to problems, to face them head on, you know, learn to understand why things are created, take self-responsibility. If someone passes your guard, you know, take the understanding of how it's my guard's not good enough, you know? So, I mean, jiu-jitsu basically uh, in a simple form is basically created the life that I have now. And it's everything about it. Every single day is jiu-jitsu. So when did you actually have the spark to pursue jiu-jitsu? Are you just training, you're competing at one point, you figured out, you know what, I think I can do this for a living. When, when did that moment actually happen? Yeah, I mean, I knew I wanted to do jiu-jitsu, but I wasn't truly aware of yet um, the potential of jiu-jitsu. I didn't know of a lot of people that were having families or being able to take care of themselves with jiu-jitsu. Um, and for me, even before I started jiu-jitsu, I always wanted to have a family. I wanted to be a husband and father. So um, at first, I just I focused right away in realizing that I wanted to train as much as possible. From there, I actively competed, and I, I mean, I, I moved around a lot trying to find the best place to, to efficiently train and grow. Um, but I would say I sat down as probably like a halfway through my pro belt, and I said that I want to be a black belt world champion. I want to be able to own my own academy one day to take care of my family. So um, since that point in time, I actively taught seminars. I saved money. I made connections. I traveled the world uh, be able, be, to be able to get to the point where I am now to where I have my own academy, you know? So, I mean, I, I would say it's been probably about like seven years since I made like the true decision to pursue jujitsu as every essence of life for a career passion and to be able to take care of my family. It's interesting. When I think back of when I made my decision, I started training. I was 14, close to get 15. And I've shared a few times here in the podcast, but when I was about 16, I realized that man it's pretty cool this guy teaching classes and he kind of make his living with this that kind of looks like a really cool gig it just kind of put a seed in my mind the first time I ever thought about Korea I had no idea what I was going to do or no idea and by the time I was basically 17 that was I put the stamp just because I don't know I went to a tournament and I just got smoked and my first tournament it was <laughs> bad it was really bad and I was angry. I, I remember telling my mom, I'm like, man, I come to all the classes. I do whatever this guy's telling me to do. I, I, I got to do better than this. And, but at the same time, I use that decision, that moment to make a decision that, you know, I really want to do this. And at the same time, you probably met 
people in jiu-jitsu and even the listeners who are listening right now maybe know people who had some tough experiences didn't go the way they wanted and they're like oh it's not for me and i'm not saying jiu-jitsu i'm saying anything else and that was a crucial moment in my life of getting my butt kicked that way and then realizing that i i want i want more i want to figure out what is this and that from that point i started to invest my time on that and this i think this is a one of those analogies like you're saying you're learning jujitsu not turning your back to the problem like oh i guess this is not for me and plus i kept losing for a long time too which i saw and probably saw to a lot of people that lost 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 and figured out this is not for me and in business it's going to happen a lot you're going to lose 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 in the beginning and some people just figured out the like, oh, I guess it's not for me and not necessarily, you know, that journey, it's rough. Either you're trying to be a professional athlete, trying to be an entrepreneur. I made a post another day for my students, uh, talking with them about that. If you want to be a world-class competitor in entrepreneurship, it's not for everyone. It's definitely not for everyone. So people just need to make sure that if they are having some bad experiences and whatever they try to pursue is not because they have one bad experience or two is going to determine your future if you should pursue or not. So how do you just expand a little more on what you said of turning your back to, to your problems? Cause I think it's a great, great analogy. Yeah. I mean, I think just like you taught me, you know, with enough commitment, with enough um, motivation and persistence, uh, you're always going to be successful, you know, whether it's something as, uh, something as simple as drilling or, uh, you know, um, applying a technique and then doing it in a tournament or winning a tournament or having a successful relationship. You know, to me, my jujitsu is, is identical. It runs linear with my marriage to my wife. It's a commitment. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You know, um, there's going to be days where you don't want to do jujitsu. There's going to be days where maybe you want some space from your family, but you have to realize that, at the end of the day, you're still there. You still got to give 100%. There's, there's no turning back. You have to make sure that you're uh, doing the correct things to be able to have the, the efficient mindset so you can be happily involved and continue to pursue that. You know, and I mean, a lot of the times, just like in, it could be one training session or a tournament, it's the same thing for me. I didn't win anything until I basically was the very last one my purple belt and then at Brown. So I went years with not experiencing any type of actual success or feeling like there was a reward in jujitsu, just like, you know, I went, uh, almost, uh, 30 years before I found my wife, you know? So, um, for me, this is something that says like, you've got to put in the work. You're going to, you're going to experience, um, short-term failures, but these failures are not actually like uh, a fork in the road isn't saying you got to go this way or that way. It's just a full commitment. I mean, I believe if you, if you scale it off correctly, everybody will be successful as long as they just continue to show up and continue to do better than they did the day they did before. So, um, it's very apparent. I mean, I still experience it myself as an athlete when I go out there and lose where I feel like I got to beat myself up mentally or should I give up? Should I stop competing? But I realized that, you know, if I continue to put in the work and I, in the time I have the algorithm for success, I've won a world title before I've been on the stage. I know what it takes. I've got to just keep going, you know, and, uh, establishing that helps, helps you get through the bad moments. So we're in 2019 right now. When did you open your school? Um, so I, I successfully took over a school. The school's been open for a couple of years, but I've been here just a little bit over two years now. Um, so I came to Philly 
um, I was invited to partake in a business and then ended up fully taking it over instead. But I've had full reign of it over for just about a little bit over two years now. So after two years, what would you say is the difference in your mindset from two years ago to now as far as your business? Because of course, when anytime you start in a new venture, fears, doubts, and anxieties, they will pop up. And sometimes people just get completely just frozen and they end up not pulling the trigger and taking the action. So what would you say is the difference of the mindset that you had coming in two years ago to now? Of course, you still got a long journey ahead of you, but in this two year period, what's the difference that you see? Um, the difference that I see is basically accepting the fact that I always don't have the, the correct answers, the right answers. I've got to be able to understand that if I do make a mistake, to kind of roll with the punches, go with the next best decision. Um, sometimes I'll put thousands of dollars into marketing this specific copy for a specific campaign and I don't get the results that I want. And that was a, a, a quote unquote huge loss depending on how many students I signed up with that new campaign, you know, and the next month I changed the copy and it does work, but I didn't put enough money into it. So I didn't see the, the growth that I wanted to make up for it. So, I mean, a, a lot of the things that people do in today's day and world that I, that I see is they try to fix too much on a mold. It says that it has to be this exact way, at this exact time, it's this exact day. And if they don't receive those, ex those results, they kind of have a very, very aggressive shift rather than understanding, you know, we're kind of like scientists and you want to have it controlled in your, in your experiment and just make small minor tweaks. This will allow you to be playful, to understand the creativity, to roll the punches and know that you're going to be successful, you know? And at the end of the day, it's sometimes challenging as a business owner because I'm relying to pay for my family to be able to survive off of the success of my business. But you want to be able to understand that, you know, you can't just give up after one month. You've got to keep rolling with it. You've got to be able to further your education, find out more ideas of marketing and advertising, you know, be able to just like jujitsu, you can't just keep yourself locked in a room and expect your jujitsu to be evolved with modern jujitsu, you know? So, um, my mindset definitely coming in was that I'm confident I'll do this. I, I know best, you know, and then I realized that I'm, I'm a black belt on the map, but I'm not a black belt in business and I need to be able to find and pursue people that can help me level up. So then that allow me to, to increase the value of myself to be able to increase the value of my academy. Yeah. You said a couple of good things that I picked up here. One, actually I was talking to someone last week about, I'm always chit chatting with the school owners and stuff. And then, mentioned about some different marketing strategies and it said, Oh, I tried this here and didn't work. And then, so you haven't done since yet. Sometimes people have the problem. They generalize things because they have one bad experience. That is it. That is bad. Like maybe it was the wrong strategy. Maybe it was the wrong company. Maybe the person was helping was the wrong one. You know, the same one. Sometimes someone can, I remember when I got involved with doing sales funnels and so forth, I hired someone that was a disaster. I basically just like threw my money away. And at the same time that you have good teachers in jujitsu, they have bad teachers, they have good doctors and they have bad doctors, people that should be in business should, I mean, people got no business in being in business. So I think for all the listeners, if you did have one or maybe two or whatever experience, don't generalize, just analyze. So I like that you made that, that tweak to try other things. So nowadays I just tell people, I don't even have time to be dwelling on my, the wrong choices that I made in my business. I really don't have time. It's just patches like two gone next. And 
not gonna help me do one look okay why maybe this may not work and let's move on and something else that you mentioned about just the humility to accept that yeah it may be a black belt in jujitsu but uh yeah in business got a long way to go i remember when i got involved with public speaking in 2012 i was so naive i had no idea that actually public speaking was a skill i had no clue and when I met with my mentor, I was like, wow, I'm a white belt. I don't even have one little stripe to say yay, nothing. And that was the beginning. And in business, I don't know, maybe I want to say that I want to be a white belt forever because, man, it's evolving so quick and there's so many things happening and I see that there's so much to learn. So I definitely like like the idea of maybe keep being a white belt, you know, for a long time because I got a long way to go in business. <laughs> so what did you say so far in has been the, the biggest struggle in in running the school? I know that a very common when I talk here with different instructors there's always like the struggle with staff there's struggle with um marketing there's always some different ones so what's some of you already mentioned some of related to marketing but what has been some of the challenges that you have faced so far um I, honestly um business wise i feel like we've 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 kind of like i said we've kind of rolled the punches and we've kind of created a, a decent structure, like an algorithm for success. Um, we struggled to find that, to find that, you know, how do we serve our community best? Is it by targeting through Facebook ads? Is it by doing Google SEO, AdWords, you know, stuff like this. But we struggled to find what we were most efficient in doing. And then once we found that, we kind of now we just make our tweaks. Well, how much money do we put in our campaigns? Uh, do we run multiple campaigns at once? What kind of photos do we use? Is it video? You know, so I would say that in the beginning, we struggled to find kind of like uh, what we should do. And then as we went along, we just make the tweaks of going along uh, in terms of plugging in the details. Um, the, that would, I would say, would be the biggest struggle business-wise is basically just trying to pinpoint something, fully commit to it and say, okay, this is what we're picking. This is how we're going to run it. Let's take this information in and see what we get out of it rather than being so all over the place. Um, the biggest struggle that I've personally had while running the business is being able to balance out competing at the highest level as I want to and then also running the business, having the time to invest in myself as much as I have the time to invest in my students. So for me, this impacts me a lot because uh, I would tell you that if I had to categorize myself, I'm first an athlete, second a, a professor. Um, but to my students, I'm first a professor, second an athlete. And I have moments where I won't, I won't, I go from training at Autos HQ two to three times a day with the best people in the world to now I have my own students who aren't as technical or as conceptually as advanced as my past training partners, but I'm also spending more time teaching them, building them up. So for me, I've, I've had a lot of struggle mentally being able to be confident, be focused, be prepared to compete because I'm spending so much energy into the business to make sure that everybody else is, is adequate, whether it's the students are happy, the facility is clean, uh, everything is as, as at the standard that I want it, rather than putting it on myself, you know, and I'm, I'm getting ready to try and understand and make changes now to myself to be able to be able to perform the way that I want to consistently like I once did without having the academy, but huge thing. Yeah, I give massive credit to, to the high, high level guys that are able to do 
both. One guy that I always been so impressed by for years is uh, Rafael Lovato. For years, I've been so impressed with him being able to build the world-class guys that he built. And this is like, we're talking like over 10 years ago, he was already building amazing competitors and being on a road and competing. Uh, uh, very impressive. And I relate so much with what you said because I moved to the U.S. in 1999 and I came from training with the best generation of Union I ever had with Shaolin, Hobson Mora and so many incredible guys. So I went from uh, one year the same way like I'm training multiple times with the best guys and next year I'm I'm like working construction in Vegas, trying to figure out a way to survive because I, you know, I couldn't even, I wasn't even involved with jujitsu. So my confidence just completely just like, boom, just went way down, way down. And it took me a long time. And this is, we're talking like 20 years ago, of course, now is definitely different. But back then, even when I moved to Arizona, my first month, we had 11 students. So whatever move you do not even need to do a variation because of white belts and and like eh, blue belts so i don't even need to do any variation of anything whatever move you go and and it's so that kept messing with my head even more be like there's no way but i when i look back i i believe i could have i could create the scenario to do so but I just went in that spiral just so bad of like, I'm so far away that I was just like, there's no way. And it took me years to realize when I start to build good students, they start teaching, okay, this is my best move. This is how you stop the best moves. And this is the variation of the variation. So my students actually made me improve. They really did. And I tell, I tell them to this day, because when you got someone that you teach them everything, you know, all your best tricks, you got to find a way around to come up with other answers. And they really improve. And, and as I start to notice that in training, my confidence started to kind of like, okay, now I got some pretty good material, but it took years. Of course, now it's a completely different world and the scene is very different than it was, you know, 20 years ago in the United States. But um, I just, I did the best I could with the emotional maturity I had at that moment. You know, I could, I wish I could say that I could keep doing, I, I just, uh, I had other let's say priorities, um, having just a tourist visa and no job. I'm like, dude, the last thing I'm thinking of right now is competing. I need, I need to eat. And then less than two years, boom, there's my son. I'm like, Oh, hello. You know, everything changed, you know, for all the listeners who have kids, you know, that everything changes. And, but I feel that now, um, you still, you're away from, you know, the Atos HQ, but I feel that you still can, of course, managing everything. It's a lot better than it would be years ago. I think you're in a lot better than two years ago. You know, still going to be tough. The school is your priority. Uh, you're not going to compete maybe in the, uh, maybe the frequency that you'd, you'd hope so. You know, it's going to take some time for you to build some people, take over classes and so forth. But I believe you will get at that point that you're going to feel comfortable. We just don't know when, but you're – you're on the right track though. I appreciate that. Thanks. I mean, that's the, that's the thing that weighs the heaviest right now, you know, being able to say to myself, um, as a leader, I need to lead by example, show my students, like 
And I'm very, very vulnerable and open with my students. I need to know like, Hey, like, yeah, I want to go compete. I'm not feeling very confident right now, you know, and um, I've got to put in more time to show them that like, Hey, you, you know, I don't want you guys to think that I'm perfect. You know, I don't want you to look at the, the gold medals on the wall and think like, this is the standard. And this is easy. You know, it's very, very hard work. And I express to them like, you know, I've got emotions and feelings too. And I've got to bounce around and I've got to, I, I, sometimes I compete for them. Sometimes I compete for myself. Sometimes I don't know who I'm competing for. And I express this to them so I can kind of create more consistency and understanding. But I can see now how like I've invested so much into teaching that my teaching has gone way up. My students are doing an amazing job. The, the growth is amazing. And I know that if I put that kind of investment back into myself, I'll compete like that level once again that I wanted to. So I know that in time I'll be back there. It's just, it's just going to take a little bit more, more focus and more uh, staying at my home base to be able to build up my students in the Academy. So I had the confidence in shifting my energy from the Academy more to myself, whether it's going away for a couple of weeks and doing a camp at HQ for worlds or whatever it may be, but I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just don't know how far it is. Great. Now I like to mention the most of the, I wouldn't say that it's most of the listeners, but a big part of the listeners of the podcast. There's a lot of people who are not currently happy with their current situation, with a job that they don't like, and they would love to be doing something else. It doesn't matter if they, maybe someone does jujitsu and they try to open an academy. It's not about that. Doing something else that they love. So I'd love you to expand and maybe give some suggestions to the listeners who are and sharing some of those concepts that you mentioned, some of the jujitsu concepts that you share with your students, for people who are struggling to pull the trigger to kind of really, you know, make the leap, what concepts would you like to share with them? Yeah, I mean, um, for me, being able to be a teacher and instructor and witness other people's failures, witness other people's hesitations and where they're they're lackluster and they're just not able to, to, as you say, pull the trigger, whatever it may be, you know, a lot of people that I see in my experience, whether it's on the mat business, whatever it may be, they're just, they're very focused on, on surface issues, as I like to say it, you know, something that's right in front of them and, you know, and uh, what they don't see is what's, what's behind that. And a lot of people focus on just like, Oh, well, how do I escape side control? How do I get out of a triangle? You know, and these are very common questions for people that are usually brand new or have a mindset of like, I just started this, you know, and this is something that I express to people. I say, Hey, here's an escape to get out of the triangle. But that means that you're going to get put in the triangle every single time just to get out. You know, uh, the, the correct mindset, the, the habit to create would be to, how do I actually get to stop going into the triangle? You know? So like you want to talk about reverse engineering a problem. Where's the source? What was going on? You know, and if you're having a really bad side control escape, I would say that your guards, it's, it's your guard retention, your, your understanding of when your guard's getting passed other than when you're playing offense is completely off. And that's why it's, it's actually that problem's being created, you know, and, and um, I, I witness this all the time with my wife, with, with the relationships that I have with my friends or with my own family, you know, and you sit down at the dinner table, like something comes up in conversation and everybody just says like, you know, this is the problem I'm having today. This is something that I am focused on and upset with now, stressed with now. And they don't see the bigger picture, whether it's going backwards or forwards, you know, just kind of like you said, like, you know, something happens and you don't even have the time to think about it. Like, Hey, let it go. Because you understand that, you know, this something that currently exists for you is so small. It's so minute. You realize that there's a bigger picture behind it, you know? And, um, it's very important for me, especially to my students with jujitsu on the mat and in their lives 
that they, they don't run away from this problem. They, they actually have the desire to reverse engineer it, see where it actually started, and then fix it there because then everything else after that will go away. I mean, you talk about having an impassable guard or having an extraordinary relationship with your wife or with your husband because you're now a problem solver rather than an excuse maker or trying to follow up with, oh, well, I'll just fix this problem but not the whole thing. You know, and That's huge for me. It's definitely one of the biggest things I can push off on people. Yeah, I like the idea of not running away from problems and understanding even why are you running away from it. And when I look into competing and especially from teaching, sometimes when I look back at some of, of competitors who are, they said, I want to compete, I want to compete, but they start not having the results that they want and they decided, no, nah, I don't want to do it anymore. Essentially, they're kind of running away from the problem, but a problem very often uh, come down to, man, I'm not meeting the expectations that I set up. Others set for me, and I want to look at people looking down on me. Uh, I'm gonna, not going to do it. Or what if I do this business, and if it doesn't work, what my family going to think of me? And there's a lot of, when people stop to think about, there's so much... Uh, and, I, and I've been there and I've been in a lot of different, uh, I look into this, but I have, you know, I'm, I'll be 45 this year. Of course, I had moments in my life that, uh, that I did think like that. And there's um, one, I think there's nothing more that give, gave me more freedom when uh, I usually I don't curse, but I'm going to have to do it on my podcast when I stop giving a fuck about what people really think, you know, it's very liberating, you know, because for the longest time. Uh, it's just like, oh man, I won this, but I didn't win that, but this and that guy won it. And I'm comparing myself to a next thing. I'm not attempting something because, because of that. So I'm essentially, I'm running away from my problem. And uh, this is a, this is a great way to see of a, um, not to run away, but understand like, why are you running away? Are you, because if you say like, dude, I just really don't want it. My heart is not there. Got it. No problem love it move on to something else now a problem is when you do want something but you're not pursuing it because you're not getting the results of because what others may say or may think of you that's a problem you know and and you need to investigate why no 100 i agree you know i think a lot of it's just about being authentic with yourself like you're saying you know um and i had days and i still have days to where i uh, feel like i'm not one, validating myself, or two, expecting validation from someone else, you know, and this can be a very dangerous thing, you know, connecting your, your identity to certain things, uh, results will hurt your feelings a lot, you know, and I always tell people, like, as a brown belt, I had this very, you know, this chip on my shoulder, I don't care mentality, and I competed at such a, a consistent high-end rate, and when I started to understand that this was the key to success, but I started to change out everything else in life. Then I, all of a sudden I changed that. I started to attach my identity to the fact of like, well, if I win worlds once, I got to win worlds twice because someone will think I'm a fluke, you know, but who's this someone I've never had anybody say that to me, but that's something that I said to myself, you know? And like you said, like, um, sometimes you have to say like, you know, I don't give a fuck what this person thinks, you know, sometimes that person is yourself, you know, and you got to tell yourself like, Hey, like you're making these stories up. These are not true. You know, absolutely. It's hundred percent. Yeah. So what would you say it's a one high performance habit that you have that helps you in jujitsu in your life that you practice every day? 
Um, I'm huge, huge, huge on like self-discipline and I'm huge on like communication, whether that's with myself or with other people, but I'm huge with like making a plan and sticking to it, you know, and I'm like a, I guess you could say like a trained dog, you know, I like have it like creating something, you know, and um, I eat the same thing every single day, theoretically speaking, the portion is the same, it's steak, it's this, it's that, you know, and I realize that if I do theoretically, conceptually the same thing every single day and I make minor tweaks, I know the the realistic expectations of what's going to come from this. You know, I enjoy consistency. Uh, that gives me a sense of security. So like, you know, I, I don't enjoy it. If my academy goes from having 220 students one month to 160, this would not work for me. So I want to have consistency. It's about keeping a standard. And I do that by daily habit with the self-discipline. So it goes for how I run the academy. It goes with my relationships. It goes with how I treat myself. So self-discipline is huge. And for all the listeners, maybe you might have some people we're listening for the first time so so far we have uh, this would be this is episode 46 but on episode 17 we have Vitor Shaolin three time like a world champion personal friend of mine and the guy that I look up to the most in jiu-jitsu and the title of the episode is consistency is the key to success and and I, uh, the reason he's younger than me, but the reason why he's a guy that I look up to because I, I train even though uh, we're the same belt as blue and purple, and then he's just kind of boom, it just really took off, you know, uh, brown and black, boom, boom. But uh, the consistency that I saw him, it was very impressive. And the cool thing is now that, you know, he's 40, but you know, at the times that I've been been with him in, in tournaments on his corner or visiting him in his house and see his madness of his consistency and everything that guy does, it's very inspiring. I'm saying, man, I, uh, you know, being 14, being living everything that he believes since he's like 14 years old is really, really impressive. So if you guys have a chance, check out episode 17 with Victor Shaolin. Now, what would you say is the best advice you've ever received and you can use in jiu-jitsu life, whatever you, you want? Yeah, I mean, um, I know actually recently you had Robert Drysdale on the podcast, you know. Um, the episode uh, was not too long ago. And um, uh, I actually trained with Robert for a while. He gave me my brown belt. I was one of the head instructors at the Academy in Las Vegas. I was around for the birth of his second child. I was very integrated in the system with the business and uh, competed from as well. I was Zenith's first adult world champion for when him and Kabaka made Zenith. But um, Robert told me, like he says to a lot of people, but like he specifically would always sit me down. We'd have a lot of talks. And he said like, you know, I want you to understand that no matter kind of what topic it attaches to, if you're not getting better, you are getting worse, you know? So this, this type of advice, this understanding uh, at first only applied to my jujitsu. You know, I understood that if I didn't evolve and I wasn't getting better then theoretically I was stagnant and I was getting worse because other people were progressing, you know, and I applied this also to, like I said, my relationship with my wife, my relationships with my friends and my family and also my business. You know, I don't want to get caught up being complacent and accepting of just saying like, okay, this is fine. I always want to improve, you know, um, Another huge thing that I've heard from someone from Las Vegas as well, that if, if, you know, if improving is possible, then perfection is something that is, doesn't exist because you can always get better, you know? So um, the key for me is to just, you know, ex accept that you're going to have, uh, you know, advances and you're going to have fallings outs and you're going to go backwards and forwards, but you have to be constantly in the mindset of discipline and creating habits of, of making progress, you know? And for me, if you do that, you're talking about, your life goes uh, linear to that. So now everything will be extraordinary because you're putting in extraordinary work. Nice. And 
for the listeners to episode nine with Robert Drysdale, Define Your Success. I, I know Robert for a long time because when I moved to Vegas in 99, he was, uh, he was moving back from Brazil, uh, training in Sao Paulo. And so he was still a white belt. So I had a chance to teach him when he was a white belt, still in the process of his blue in 2000. And very committed kid, man. He was young. I remember going to tournaments anytime he would lose, man. He would literally cry. He would cry. He would get so mad. You know, like he did not take loss very well when he's young. However, he was back in the school in the next day, no doubt. No doubt. He was always very committed and we knew that he was going to go far in jiu-jitsu. I, I knew it. You know, he's a... He was a, a good young kid, and now he's a, you know, he's a great man and father. Um, love Robert, great dude, man. Hundred percent, great guy. Look up to him, even though we're not on the same team anymore. But he's a great guy. I've got nothing but positive things to say about him always. So, what advice would you give to the younger Christian when he started the jujitsu journey? Not that he want anything different. I always like to frame this very clear to people because you are where you are in your life right now because of you know, the choices that you made and you're in a happy position in your life with your family because of your journey. So, but if you have a chance to have a conversation with a young Christian said like, hey man, starting your journey right now in jiu-jitsu, what did you tell them? Um, I mean, for the most part, I'm, I, I like how you word it, you framed it. Like I, I wouldn't change anything, you know? I don't know if the conversation with myself would impact me to change something. Even if I said like, hey, you're doing good, keep up the good work. I wouldn't know if that would give me a, a better self-confidence earlier on or whatever it may be, you know, I, I think honestly, I probably wouldn't say anything at all, but if I had to, I would just say like, you know, don't, don't forget to smile and, you know, take a step back and enjoy the work that you're putting in understanding what you're building, you know, don't take this for granted. Um, now being a father, you, you know, be prepared to, to be able to take time to spend time with your wife, to spend time with your daughter. Don't be so busy later on that you're not able to spend time with the one thing that you worked so hard for, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely don't have regret. I definitely know I could have done things better or worse, but I am very, very happy and pleased with the life that I have. So I definitely, I'd almost want to just watch and not say anything. Just, you know, just be like, okay, cool. I appreciate this because I mean, I made a lot of bad, bad choices when I was, when I was younger, the earlier in my jiu-jitsu career, I should say, you know, and, but if we're here. So I think then they may have been wrong. And at some point in time, I, I viewed them as wrong. But for some point in reason, like they actually ended up being right because we're at where we're at. So it's, it's definitely huge. Yeah, and the reason why I had this question to the podcast is because my son, now he's 18, he'll be turning 19 this year, so it's like having conversations with him, what would I tell my younger version, my son, like right now 18, when I was 18, I'd be like, dude, I've been 18, you know, like, of course, I wouldn't change anything, and like you said, I made... Ooh, we, you know, I have 15 years <laughs> on you, so I made a lot more wrong choices than you did, you know, but when I look and I try to tell him, of course, some of the stuff, you know, just go one year and just leave the other. He's like, yeah, sure. Well, but at least I'll give, I'll try to give my two cents to him with some things. But I ask more like in a sense of, and you're going to have students that are young and they're excited. And then see like, hey, dude, just let you know, I've been there, you know, and this is just my two cents. So that's kind of like I come from with that. Now, do you have the habit of uh, reading? Uh, I actually am not able to read very much in terms of like, um, I don't read very well. I'm good in like listening. I can listen okay. to things, 
watch things. Uh, every time I try to read, I can't really retain the information very well. I've read like two books my entire life, so I'm not a big reader. But as far as even, because the reason why I, I, I'm actually, I started building last year my habit back of reading because I prefer audio also. So, but whatever sources. So the idea is, what do you think that some of the contents that have been out there that has impacted you, that could be podcast, that could be audiobook, uh, YouTube, or just any content that you feel that could be beneficial to people out there? Yeah, I mean, I spend a lot of time, especially when I travel, I, flying, you know, I always download more podcasts and listen to things. But um, for me, communication always furthers, our, furthers our, our, our education. You know, I love having conversation. I love the, the, the idea of challenging conversation, trying to make myself grow and everything like that. So I, I always listen to things that um, whatever I tell myself is the last thing I want to listen to is usually them I put in first that I want to listen to, you know, so. Um, but I listen to a lot of stuff or I've actually a, a decent things that I devote to my understanding of training and whatnot. Um, there's a book called the talent code, you know, um, yeah. this, this for me is huge understanding, like how to create talent, the mindset behind it. You know, this also impacted me to find more stuff by Daniel Coyle. You know, I listen to podcasts from him and everything else like that. But, um, for me, like I said, I, there's a couple of different people that I enjoy listening to, like um, I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. I, I like the stuff that he puts out there because he talks about relationships and business and he's very brash and authentic. I uh, can relate to him and his, his past life experiences. But I mean, I honestly, I just, whoever I look up to and I see that they've done something that I'm looking to do, I always then become, I wouldn't say obsessed, but then I, I start to research them and listen to the, the interviews they've done, the conversations they've had, whether they published something or they put out videos or just snippets, you know, and, I mean, Andre Galvao is like a, a great guy. Like I look at him and I'm like, oh, he's got a wife. He's got a daughter. He's got an academy. He's competed. He's won, you know? I mean, luckily I can just text that guy and he can send me a snippet of information to be able to kind of like grow from, but not a lot of people have access to people like that. But I mean, anybody that I admire that I see doing something that I want to do, it's the first person I'll research and I'll just dive in as deep as I can, whether it's YouTube or downloading an audio book or finding podcasts and searching that stuff. But whatever it is, I just find it. Yeah, and this is important too that a lot of people don't feel comfortable reading, which is fine. It's just finding out what works for you. Mm -hmm. It's definitely important to get information. And I think it's especially now that there's so much garbage online or TV or whatever. And just to be really aware of what kind of information you put in in your mind and of course we want to laugh we want to watch some random stuff here and there but i think it's super important if it's not a book podcast there's so much free content people like you, you mentioned tony robbins you just go to google and go to youtube and man there's so much free content out there that you can learn from and you just dedicate a little bit of time or you know driving people who are in big big cities just you know put something on the car, just listen for like 20, 30 minutes. And I tell you what, I've been, I started to get heavily involved with personal development and mental skills and so forth in 2010. Before it would be like eh, once in a while, but I started getting the habit of getting information and really changed my life, man. It really changed my mindset, opened my mind to, to other things, other opinions, and that's one of the things that I say to my, to my son, and I wish I've done younger, but again, I don't regret anything. It's just to be open to new information like that, you know, and just pick up a book or audio book or listen to 
positive stuff. You know, I, I'll probably maybe in a moment that I was in a, in a, in a rough moment in my life when I moved to the US that I was just lost. I'm like, dude, and my confidence sink. Maybe if I was listening to some Tony Robbins, maybe it would have given me some spark to like, yeah, this dude is right. That's, that's right. And I think most people have some favorite quotes and my favorite quote, I have two actually. Um, and one of them is from Tony Robbins. It's in your moments of decisions that your destiny is shaped. And it's very true because when you make a decision, things change at the moment that you decided that you wanted to change jujitsu, your life changed, you know? So I think people need to really uh, not take for granted this, this, this quote from uh, by him because it's very true when you look back you know the source of the problem like you've been talking you know what decision did you make you know to be here is that playing guard you let go your grip that was your decision you let go your grip maybe you're not aware maybe you didn't know or maybe you knew you're tired and let go but that decision that you let go caused someone to be in your side amount so that's the the source of the problem so super important to not to under, underestimate you know, the power of the decision so he's uh, Tony Robbins is huge on that and so what's going on so what are you currently excited about tell a little bit more of your school give some plug to for people in the east coast or want seminars with you what's going on yeah I mean I'm I'm constantly always traveling teaching seminars I mean um I sometimes I'm slower during the year, but like I teach probably about 30 to 40 seminars a year. It gets really crazy. Um, but currently right now we're actually working on like the, the new location for my Academy. So we've outgrown our current location. We've just got too many people in the mat at once. It's just, it doesn't have the same standard anymore because we've just outgrown the space, but we're building out now uh, an Atos HQ in the East coast. It's just a Mecca 10,000 square foot Academy, huge facility, you know? So, that's like the next big thing. There's a lot of energy going into that. That build-out's going to take a couple of months. But, I mean, other than that, I'm just kind of um, – I had a bad performance at Pan Am, so I wasn't prepared. Um, I didn't train confidently. I wasn't as confidently showing up as I have in the past. So, kind of like right now, I'm making a decision if I want to compete at Worlds or not. But I've got so much energy going elsewhere. I'm just going to kind of like take a couple of days to think about it. But, I mean, other than that, it's the same thing as always. Just got to keep pushing. Got to keep – keep my name out there, keep teaching seminars, keep uh, sharing jiu-jitsu with people, let them see the amount of impact that it's had on my life, let it impact them, you know. Um, be, be able to take my family traveling with me when I teach seminars is huge, you know, spend time with them. But um, it's the same, same thing as always, teach, train, compete. So I'm going to keep doing that cycle until I'm too old to do one and then just focus on the other two. And can you share with us your website and what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, I mean, uh, the academy website is just rootsphilly.com, as in Roots Athletics. Um, but the best way to reach me, like, I'm, I'm really big on Instagram, but I've got, like, a Facebook fan page and personal page, too. But um, Instagram, for me, is, like, the biggest way to, to reach many people, and it's just at Christian Woodmancy. Um, it's my personal page. Um, it's purely for, for jiu-jitsu, so I, I, I post mostly about jiu-jitsu stuff, very rarely about my family, but I'm very authentic with my with whoever's reading it, with my followers. You know, I'm never just posting things to make myself appear something that I'm not, so it's me just, again, being very vulnerable and uh, authentic with myself and everybody that's looking, so it's definitely the best place to check me out. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time, Christian. I appreciate it. Keep the good work you've been doing promoting jiu-jitsu, working, doing your thing. And it was a pleasure to have you here, man. 
Pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me, Gustavo. It's a huge, huge honor, and I'm definitely looking forward to listening to all the other podcasts after this one as well. But you're doing a great job. I really appreciate you having me. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Us. Us. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Christian Woodman C. If you're listening just to the final thoughts, Christian is a black belt from Andre Galvão and the owner of Roots Athletics in Philadelphia, a NATO's affiliate school. He shared the struggle of finding balance in running a business while still competing at a world-class level and learning the best strategies to market his business. He also talked about a topic that he often shares with his students that inspired the title of the podcast, Facing Your Problems Head-On. He shared interesting perspectives that he learned from jiu-jitsu during his decade of training, like not turning your back to problems, taking full responsibility to understand the source of your problem on and off the mats, and face it head-on. So, what about you? Have you been facing your problems head-on? Or have you been turning your back to your issues? Usually in jiu-jitsu, when you turn your back to your opponent, this decision can lead to an even bigger problem, and in life, it's not much different. So what Christian conveyed to his students and you, the listener, is that if you don't find the source of the issue and you don't do something about it, there is a good chance of this undesired outcome to repeat itself. With that said, today I'd like to share with you two critical questions that you should utilize when you're analyzing an outcome, a desired or undesired result in jiu-jitsu or life. The same two questions I share at the BJJ Metal Coach online course, Inner Discovery for Outer Success. Matter of fact, the sale of all online courses sold at the BJJMetalCoach.com. Go to the nonprofit organization, Live Jiu-Jitsu. During the course, I suggest you to use the two questions when you're reevaluating your performance in a tournament after a win or a loss. So if you're an active competitor or you compete sometimes, you can utilize this concept after your competition and transfer to your personal and professional life. Here it goes. As I mentioned, you can use this idea to analyze a win or a loss, but let's focus on the loss. I'd like you to think about your last competition. If you haven't competed in a tournament yet, you can use a training session to keep the jiu-jitsu concept involved. Usually when you lose a match, there are four key elements that could have caused the loss. Number one, technical mistake. Number two, strategic mistake. Number three, physical issue. And number four, a mental mistake. It could have been one element. It could be two, three, or even the combination of four, which for any competitor equals a nightmare. Let's break down each one. Number one technical mistake. Maybe things were going great during the match. However, at one point, you let it go of a critical grip. Your opponent recognized, capitalized on your mistake, and three minutes later, you got choked because of this grip. As you already know in jiu-jitsu, one little grip can cause this snowball coming downhill effect, and sometimes it can be tough to push that snowball back up. Number two, Strategic mistake. Sometimes not necessarily a technical mistake. It's making a wrong choice, which we all do at some point in jiu-jitsu. For example, imagine you are in a war. You're playing top trying to pass the guard. You're winning by eight points to six. However, your opponent has three advantages. There are 30 seconds left on the clock. If your opponent sweeps you, he or she wins the match. What would you do? 
Would you maintain your position and use the clock to your advantage? Or would you risk a submission that if you fail, it could cost you the match? The reason why I'm sharing this example is that I saw this scenario at the 2016 IBJJF Pan in the Black Belt Adult Division. The top competitor decided to risk and jump into a flying triangle from the top to attempt to finish the match. He got close to doing so, but his opponent managed to defend the attack, went to the top, scoring two points, tying the match 8-8 to and winning by three advantages. That is an example of a bad choice. Was it a technical mistake? Eh, sort of, mainly a strategic mistake. Number three, physical issue. This area can be broad because it includes scenarios like same day weigh-ins. You were in a great shape. However, you cut too much weight and you're done in two minutes. Have you ever been there before? You may have a Ferrari, but if there's no gas in the car, you ain't driving that bad boy and your body is very similar. Or you're blitzing the hell out of your opponent for the whole first match and you're done for the second match. You didn't manage your pace too well. You could have been an enormous bracket. You had a bunch of wars and end up getting tired at the end. It happens. And the last one, you didn't prepare yourself as much as you should have had. All related to physical. Number four, a mental mistake. Maybe you're afraid to disappoint others, you're afraid of making costly mistakes, you are dwelling on your mistakes during the match, whatever that was. That compromised the match and you end up not being your best self during the competition. All four elements can be worked and improved. However, you must find the source of the problem, like Christian said, take full responsibility and face your problems head on. Now you may say, Gustavo, you forgot the fifth element, dude. The referee... During my last tournament, I got robbed, man. Everyone saw it. The referee was horrible. That is why I lost. Okay, time out. I'm going to share with you an example that I call the two-second guard pass scenario, which I also have seen before. This is how it goes. Imagine you're playing your favorite guard in a tournament, whatever that is. Half guard, spider guard, de la Riva, whatever you want. Things are going well. You're winning by one advantage to zero, okay? Suddenly, your opponents get to your side mount. And now you hear your coach and all your teammates screaming, push away, push away, briga, briga, means fight in Portuguese. Your opponents hold you for two seconds, and when you manage to get back to the guard, the referee gives the points to the opponent anyway. And according to the IBJJF rules, the athlete must hold the position for three seconds to get awarded three points for the guard pass. The referee did make a mistake. Now everyone's going crazy. Take the points off. Take the points off. And the ref calls stand. The match ends. He stands both of you up. And you lose by 3-0. With one advantage to you. Your coach and teammates rush to the ref. We have the video. This is an absurd. And then you go home mad as hell. That son of a... He robbed me. Next day, as you walk to the school, your teammates say, man, you got robbed. You should have been on the advantage, and you'd be a tie, and then you'd win because you attack more, and then you say, yeah, man, I'm done with this tournament. Okay, stop. Second and final timeout. Did the referee mess up? Absolutely. Is this the source of the problem? Uh, no. Mistakes happen in every sport, and it won't be different in jiu-jitsu. The question you should be reflecting is, why did your opponent get to your side mount in first place? Did he magically land there? Something happened. 
Maybe should have pushed instead of pulled, or vice versa. Perhaps you had the wrong grip. Something happened. Now instead of turning your back to your issue and go to Facebook to make a long post of how you got robbed, take full responsibility, face your problem head on, and ask yourself two questions. Number one. What did you do right during the preparation and the performance so you can keep doing in future events? And number two, what would you have done differently during your preparation and your performance to minimize the chance of happening again, to reduce the odds of giving the opportunity for the ref to make a mistake? Learn and grow from it. Now, how can you use this in your life? You got fired from a job. Ask yourself, What did you do right while working at this job? What would you have done differently if you were in a similar situation to minimize the chance of happening again? You just ended a relationship, marriage, whatever. What did you do right during the relationship? And what would you have done differently if you were in the same situation to minimize the odds of making the same mistake? It comes down to self-awareness. Take full responsibility of your choices and face your problems head on. Don't turn your back to them. Albert Einstein has a great quote. Quote, We cannot solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we use when we create them. Unquote. With that said, what is the common issue in all your problems? The answer is you. Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com. 